Welcome to Rex's Bible Minute, a weekly video where we study the Bible and try to let the Bible say what it says. Um, we are in our study of Exodus this week. Uh, we're going to be in it for a while, so uh, buckle up. It's uh, it's going to be good. Um, so far, we have covered uh, the first two chapters of the book of Exodus, and uh, we're, we're starting chapter three this week, and this is where the story starts to really move forward. So up to this point, we've seen that the people of Israel are living under slavery in Egypt. And that God has decided to do something about it. He made a promise uh, to these people that they would be a blessing to the whole world, that God would rescue the world through them. And so he has to start that rescue plan by first rescuing them. And so uh, we see that there is... Uh, this guy named Moses, he's born into this situation where he's he's neither fully Egyptian or fully Hebrew. He's kind of got to live this dichotomy of a life where he's not really at home anywhere. And so he ends up having to flee from Egypt and moves to Midian. He marries a woman there. He raises a family there. He, he, he pretty much assumes this is the rest of his life. He's living in the land of Midian where he's even less related to anybody there. He's even less connected to any of them. He's trying to build his life there. He's trying to do, he's trying to figure things out. And so our story picks up there today um, in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of the fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord said, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the, that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. It was an ordinary day, right? Moses was taking his sheep out in the desert. The way sheep herders worked back then, shepherds, uh, they, they, would, they would bring their sheep to these spots where the, the little bit of rain that that desert got, it would grow grass. So this is a desert that, that isn't like the Sahara Desert. I know sometimes we like to think that like just mountainous dunes and all that. It's, it's not quite that. It's, it's got some greenery to it. Um, it's, it's more akin to the American Southwest in parts. And these shepherds would take their sheep to these places where they know, knew there was a chance of, of grass to grow. And so it was dangerous. They would be gone for days at a time trying to get to these spots where there was a little bit for their sheep. And so Moses is on one of these trips where he's leading his flocks to a place where they could eat. 
And they're walking along, and all of a sudden they see this bush on the side of a mountain. I mean, that right there shows you there's greenery, right? He wasn't, it wasn't the side of a bush that freaked him out, right? If it was walking in the Sahara Desert and there was a bush, that would be something to see. But he's walking along and he sees a bush, but it's on fire. And it's not being consumed. It's not burning up. And so that makes Moses decide he's going to change directions. I mean, he literally says he thought to himself, I'm going to go over there and see why this isn't being burnt up. Now, he wouldn't have been alone. There would have been other shepherds with him. But apparently, they didn't care enough. They were too busy doing what they were doing, taking care of the sheep, being focused on the task in front of them to notice something different was happening around them, to notice that something special was going on. And so Moses goes over, and he sees this bush, and all of a sudden, he hears a voice. And the voice says that this place is sacred, that Moses has to take his shoes off because the land he is standing on is holy. So this is one of those moments where we see the, the barrier between our space and God's space get, get thinned, get removed. I don't think that this mountain was, was sacred beforehand. Like, I don't think that that was something that, that, they, that Moses, like that was the holy mountain. I don't think that was going on. I think that is Moses wrote this as the holy mountain because that's what it became at this point. That God's space and our space overlapped here and there was a hole there where God's space burst into ours. And God spoke to Moses. And Moses was afraid to look at him. See, we, we sometimes think in our culture in the way that, that Jesus and God are, are preached about in, in Western Christianity that God is the safe thing. That God is something that, that we can just, he's, he's a big, you know, hippie, happy, huggy guy. Like he's a lamb petting dude who's just super safe. And we sometimes forget that he's the God of the universe. Come near, but it is sacred to come near. Remove your shoes because it is holy to approach the Father. It is dangerous to approach the Father. Don't look straight at him. Be afraid. Moses is objectively afraid. This is an objectively terrifying moment. Because the God of the universe is speaking to a human being. And God tells Moses, he says, I have heard the cries of my people. I have seen their suffering. And I am going to do something about it. That's, that's a big deal. Because the God of the universe does not need us. The God of the universe has no need for humanity. But yet he sees us and he decides to act on our behalf. He sees his people. He knows what is going to happen through these people. That his son would eventually be born and willingly give himself up to save all people. The God of the universe who needs nothing, who lacks for nothing, who lives in perfect community, who lives with every need met, chooses to get involved with us to save us. And on top of that, and we're going to study this even more, he chooses to do that through people. He saves the Israelites through an Israelite. He saves humanity through a human. God chooses to act through us. It's, it's, it's the most difficult way to do this, right? Like if God is going to save humanity, it would be so much easier if somehow he just snapped his finger and boop, there it is, everything's good. 
God done saved us all. That he, he has the ability to. But he chooses to use us for us to participate in the works that he is doing. That's an objectively scary thing. Because number one, he's perfect. He doesn't mess up and we are very much flawed. But number two, the stakes are high. That if we aren't participating, if we aren't choosing to stop what we're doing, to look and pay attention to something special that's happening in our lives, the works of God, the burning bush that's right in front of you, if we don't stop and take enough time to go and investigate that, to pursue that, we miss out. Now God's goals and objectives get done. Nothing thwarts the goals and directives of God. Nothing. He is unopposed. That you and I, our participation in it, it's, it's reliant on us investigating it. And it's relying on us pursuing it. It's relying on us to stop focusing on the sheep and go focus on the bush. To stop focusing on the task in front of us, the things that we have to get done, the busyness of our lives, and instead focus on God trying to get our attention. I wish sometimes it was a, a bush on fire. Like, that would, that would make it easy. Like, this is where I need to be looking. Like, that's a big, bright sign. But for us, we live in a world that's so loud and noisy and busy that it's, it's hard to find that, that quiet voice of God, that subtleness that He is trying to get our attention with. We have so many things drowning out the voice of God in our lives, that we have to be intentional about stopping and looking at it. It was an ordinary day. He was doing an ordinary thing, but all of a sudden God burst into his life and he chose to seek it out. He chose to seek it out and see that, it, that God was, was dangerous. He chose to do a dangerous thing. He chose to risk to go into the presence of God to do the work of God. And we're going to talk about what happens next, about how he, he was hesitant about how he was scared and that he made excuses. But at the end of the day, he chose to be a tool in the hand of God. And in closing, our, our parallels in the New Testament section, we see that, that this kind of plays out a lot with the apostles, right? The apostles are going about their day, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and is like, hey, you follow me. Peter and Andrew and John, they're fishing, but here comes this teacher to call them to something greater. And they choose to follow him. We see that over and over. And that, that same calling is being offered to each and every one of us. And it's not something that we do once and we're good. It's something that we have to do every single day. That as you live your lives, we choose to follow Jesus. We choose to pursue the things of God. Hopefully this was encouraging to you and, and helps you focus and, and helps you on your journey as you follow Jesus. If you have any questions, reach out. Otherwise, see you next week. It's not our house, it's not our